My topic this morning is renewal. Does your life need the renewing, healing, rebuilding, restoring, empowering work of God in your life? Do you need God's renewal? Well, it's available to you. It's available you can have it. God wants you to have it. Today we're going to see how. How can you experience the renewal of God? And we're going to do so by studying in the Bible out of the Old Testament book of Zechariah. If you've not been in that part of the Bible recently, it's right before Malachi at the end of the Old Testament. We'll be in Zechariah chapter 4. Now the prophet Zechariah lived during an era commonly referred to as the restoration period of Israel. This is the 6th century B.C., so just over 500 years before the birth of Jesus. So in this era, the people of God had been defeated by the enemy. The city of Jerusalem was burned to the ground. The temple was destroyed and reduced to rubble, just a pile of wreckage. And those that survived the onslaught were taken as exiles to live out their lives in a foreign land. And so when Zechariah begins to proclaim the word, what you have is people that were people of God. They're Israelites from the tribe of Judah primarily. And they were living in modern day Iran under the rule of the Persian Empire. And if you remember, a year ago, we did a series in Ezra and Nehemiah, a series called Restoration. And in there, we learned about some key men that God used to then bring back the people from exile back to be restored into the land of promise. And so men like Ezra who taught the word, men like Nehemiah that led to rebuild the city walls. There were other leaders like Joshua, who was the high priest in this era. Others like Zerubbabel, who was the governor under the Persian rule in Jerusalem. You had other prophets that were preaching like Zechariah and his contemporary Haggai. And so these were people that God was using to restore them from exile back into the land to rebuild cities to plant crops again, and most importantly, to rebuild the temple. And prophets like Zechariah and Haggai are calling the people of God to faithfulness to God, to rebuild the temple, and to once again have this structure that is important because it is the manifestation, it is is the symbol of God's presence. And so God was with his people, and the temple was the means. So these men like Zerubbabel and Zechariah are in the Bible. And we should be reading the Bible. We all read the Bible, right? Yes, pastor, we read it. Not just on Fridays. We should be reading it every day, feeding our souls from it. And so these names come up in these Old Testament books. So it was about restoring the temple. But it was far more than that. It was far more than just restoring and rebuilding a structure. It it was about the temple, but it was much deeper. It was eternal. What it was pointing to was far greater than just a building. It was far more glorious than having a building. So much deeper significance. 
the temple's rebuilding and, and restoration points to the ultimate purpose of God, which is to display his glory by renewing a people for himself. This is what God is doing. He created us. We rebelled. We broke that relationship, and so God is actively seeking to save the lost, to bring them back into this love relationship. And so we exist. Our purpose for living is to glorify God by enjoying him forever with God, enjoying him in his presence and him giving us his joy. And so we're the ones that would prefer other things, prefer empty religion or prefer other idols instead of treasuring Jesus. But he loves us and has pursued us. And Jesus came into this world fully God, fully human, died on the cross for you and for me, paying the price for our sin, resurrecting powerfully, conquering the grave and offering forgiveness to anyone that will trust Jesus alone as his Savior. He came for us, and he is building a kingdom. Jesus is the ultimate master builder, and he is building a kingdom of people that have tasted and experienced this renewal of God, people that have come to know God personally, and he is building his kingdom right here and right now and we are members of his kingdom this is why jesus promised in matthew 16 he says i will build my church he is building a people for himself and first peter 2 describes those who follow jesus he says that we are living stones hear that living stones stones are usually dead stones aren't alive but we are called spiritually living stones are being built up as a spiritual house. So we are the living stones where God lives the temple. And so this is what we are. This is who we are. We are where God lives. He lives in us and he is with us and we have his presence even right here, right now. And Jesus is at work building his temple, building where he resides, which is the people, a kingdom of people that will then display his character and his glory to the nations, people that have been restored back to a relationship with God. So Zechariah and this Old Testament era of restoration, with, oh, like Ezra, Nehemiah, Haggai, Zechariah, what these books in this era are pointing to is restoring the people back to God, restoring their hearts. So it is all about renewal. This is why Jesus came. We live in a broken world, if we're honest with ourselves, and we know that it does not operate the way it should. But we can look here this morning and see in God's word how God wants us to experience his renewal in the middle of this broken world and we can more fully experience it as believers and then out of the overflow of that we can spread it 
to others that are far from God. Let's begin in Zechariah chapter 1, verse 3. It describes the message that God gave this prophet to proclaim. Zechariah 1, 3 says, Therefore say to them, this is to God's people, say to them, Thus declares the Lord of hosts, so this is the message, return to me. Return to me, says the Lord of hosts, and I will return to you, says the Lord of hosts. Return back to me, and I will return to you, which is what James 4 says the same thing. On drawn near to God, and he will draw near to you. And so the offer is there. Come back. Come enjoy my presence. Come enjoy my joy. Come enjoy me. Will you return to me? So the temple restoration was pointing to this ultimate reality of God desiring to. God wants to dwell with his people. He wants to be with us. So heaven is going to be literally right there with Jesus, with God. And so we right now have a taste of it through his spirit. We are desperate. We are so desperate for his renewal. Because we're not in heaven yet. We're not there. And so we need to hear this message. Return to me, and I will return to you. So our God in heaven wants to shower you with blessings. He wants to shower you with his mercy. But the greatest of all of the blessings that God wants to give to you, we would think, oh, God, give me money or, or a better car or this marriage or this, and we, and we have a list of things that we would want. But the greatest blessing that God can give us is more of himself, his own presence. He says, return to me. I'm going to give you the best. I'm going to give you me, my joy. And so we need to understand how this works practically in our daily lives what does what does it look like to experience the renewal of God and to have more of his presence more of him in our lives let's read Zechariah chapter 4 and see how this worked in the life of God's people Zechariah 4 read the whole chapter and the angel who talked with me came again and woke me like a man who was awakened from his sleep now, let's just stop there for a second. You're asleep, and the angel wakes you up. Like, I don't know about you, but I would be very incoherent if I was awake in the middle of the night by an angel. But this was God's plan for Zechariah. He's asleep, and the angel wakes him up. But he wakes him up into a vision. Verse 2, and he said to me, what do you see? And I said, and behold, a lampstand of all gold with a bowl on the top of it and seven lamps on it with seven lips on each of the lamps that are on top of it. And there are two olive trees by it, one on the right of the bowl and the other on its left. And so he sees this. So again, just so you can picture this, he sees a lampstand made of gold. This is like the menorah that was in the tabernacle. And, and it has seven lamps on it, candles, if you will, but on top of it, there's a, there's a bowl 
with pipes that are going down into it. And there's two olive trees, one on each side. And so he doesn't know what this vision means. And so verse 4, Zechariah says, And I said to the angel who talked with me, What are these, my Lord? Then the angel who talked with me answered and said to me, Do you not know what these are? Man, that makes me so mad. Do you ever ask a question and then they answer with a question? It's like, can you just ask the question? And so Zechariah doesn't know what these olive trees and this gold lampstand and the bowl, and he doesn't know what it means. And he's saying, what does this mean? And he says, oh, you don't know? <laughs> and so then the angel does answer, verse 5. The angel who talked to me answered and said, um, and so I said, no, my Lord, I do not know. Verse 6. Then he said to me, this is the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel. Remember Zerubbabel, who he was? He's the governor over this area, Jerusalem, which is now a province in the Persian Empire. So this is the word of God to Zerubbabel, the governor. Not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord of hosts. Verse 6 is so important. This is the message. Not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord of hosts. Who are you, O great mountain, before Zerubbabel? You shall become a plain and shall bring forward top stone and amid shouts of grace, grace to it. Then the word of the Lord came to me, saying, The hands of Zerubbabel have laid the foundation of this house. His hands shall also complete it. This is the temple that he's completing. Then you will know that the Lord of hosts has sent me to you. For whoever has despised a day of small things shall rejoice and shall see the plumb line in the hand of Zerubbabel. These seven are the eyes of the Lord, which range through the whole earth. Then I said to him, what are these two olive trees on the right and on the left of the lampstand? And the second time I answered and said to him, what are these two branches of the olive trees which are beside the two golden pipes from which the golden oil is poured out? And he said to me, do you not know what these are? Here we go again. I said, no, my Lord. Verse 14, then he said, these are the two anointed ones who stand by the Lord of the whole earth. Let me begin by giving you the primary truth so that we can get our minds around this vision. It's here on the screen. God is at work renewing the lives of his people. What you're seeing here with the temple being rebuilt and we'll see in a moment with this olive trees and the oil and the lampstand, all of that is pointing to this, that God is at work right here right now in New Life Church. He is at work renewing the lives of his people. Anyone that will trust in Jesus and follow him, he's at work renewing lives. So this is what God is all about, restoring, recreating, transforming, renewing. And Jesus wants to build your life. Hear me. He wants to build your life to be a magnificent temple where he dwells and then his glory is displayed. Who we must be. This is this final series that I have the privilege of proclaiming to you. We have been learning and considering the non-negotiable characteristics that we as a church must 
have if we're to be successful in displaying the glory of God to Abu Dhabi and to the nations. Well, who we must be, my heart's desire is that you would see God at work through you. So you see here in Zechariah, verse 1, he's awakened and he sees this vision, this night vision. Important for us to understand its significance. But first, I want you to picture it now that we read the whole text. So you have two olive trees. And out of olive trees, there's golden pipes that are coming out of the olive trees. And they're going into a bowl. So two trees, golden pipes, oil is flowing, filling a bowl. Out of that bowl, there are seven pipes that go and are connected to each of these seven lamps, these candles, if you will, that are on this menorah, on this candle, this lamp stick. And so what does this mean? Now that we have a picture of what's happening, you have this oil flowing from the trees into the bowl, then down to fuel the burning of these flames, because that's what oil is for, is the fuel to burn the lamps. What does this mean? So, of course, Zachariah doesn't fully understand. I want to read to you again just a couple of verses, because here you see Zachariah saying, man, I got nothing. I don't know what this means. Can you explain this to me, angel, messenger of the Lord? Verse 6 is important. He says, this is a message to Zerubbabel, not by might nor by power, but by my spirit will you be able to rebuild this temple. He's saying, you aren't strong enough. So he would speak to you and me today. So you're not strong enough. This is critical for us to understand because God is at work renewing the lives of his people. But we can't do this for ourselves. God must do it. He's at work. Let me give you the two points here. How God accomplishes his renewal. Number one, he accomplishes his renewal through the power of his spirit. We see it in verse 6. Not by might, not by power, but by my spirit. My renewal of the temple and ultimately of your lives, of our lives, is accomplished through the power of his spirit. And so God is accomplishing his renewal, number one, through the power of his spirit. He's reminding Zerubbabel and by extension reminding those of us today that are following Jesus that we are unable to accomplish anything of eternal value in our own strength. We're not creative enough. We're not wise enough. We don't have enough resources. We on our own can do nothing of eternal value. We can't fix ourselves. We can't change ourselves. We can't, we can't give up our addictions are on our own, we can try. Now you can try psychology and self-help improvement. You can. You're welcome to try those things. And you may find a measure of improvement in your life. But psychological and self-help approaches do not, will not, cannot lead you into the presence of a holy God. They can't do that. Psychology cannot transform your soul. It cannot give you the new birth. It can give you new desires that come from the inside. 
Only the Spirit of God can do that. It is miraculous. We cannot do anything of eternal significance in our own strength. We read earlier from John chapter 16 in the worship gathering, a beautiful text where Jesus talks about the coming of the Holy Spirit, the helper that Jesus would send him, and he would live in us and be with us. He calls him the Spirit of truth. And so he's describing this beautiful coming of the Spirit who will guide us and lead us and transform us for his glory. And so the role of the Holy Spirit, as Jesus describes it, can be summarized really with one word. The Spirit's role in your life is renewal. That's what he does. He renews us by giving us the new birth, which gives us a new nature with a new heart, with new desires. He then allows us to read the Bible and then understand it because he illuminates our minds. He helps us to understand the word and guides us into all truth, which is the reason why those who don't, don't love Jesus, don't follow him, don't worship him, they read this and it's just academic and boring and they don't, it doesn't change them because they don't have the spirit of God in them. So the Spirit has to open your mind to be able to understand and love the Bible and then to apply it and live it. This is the Spirit's work. The Spirit gives us the presence of God. He is right here in us. So you are the temple of the Holy Spirit. He's in you if you're a believer in Jesus. He convicts us of sin. Whenever we are straying or drifting away from Jesus and you and you hear that voice in your soul and you know it's God saying no my son no my daughter that's not for you come back to me the evil one would come and convict you or, or to condemn I should say but the spirit convicts so that you come closer to him so the spirit doesn't slander you he he reminds of who you are in Christ how you are loved and bought with a price and you belong to Jesus so therefore glorify him with your body the Spirit does this in us. He sanctifies us. He changes us. So all of these amazing experiences in our lives is through the Holy Spirit. And only those who trust Jesus have this renewal. But understand, He only does this incredible renewal in our lives when, here's a key, and only when we surrender, when we submit to him, walking in step with the Spirit and not opposing or grieving the Spirit. So the Spirit will work in your life when you are surrendered to him. We must be desperate for him. You might say, oh, well, I can't, I can't, for example, smoking. Oh, I can't quit. I want to quit, but I can't quit smoking. Really? Wait until you go see the doctor in a few years and he finds a spot on your lungs. Then, then you're going to be desperate, and then maybe you'll quit. You say, oh, I, I love pornography. I, I can't quit. Really? Wait, wait until your life is completely unraveled and everything is destroyed and you're desperate, then, then you'll quit. I don't know what it's going to take in our lives, but 
whatever it is, until we are desperate and we realize that only Jesus is the solution, will we actually turn to him? And some of us can experience even more pain until we finally reach a point of surrender and dependence on him. But I pray that you would surrender long before your life is unraveled. It doesn't have to get there. It doesn't have to get to that extreme measure, but God will do whatever it takes to have your heart because he loves you and wants what is best for you. And so he wants you to surrender, submit to him. And when you do, when you acknowledge him truly as your God, when you are desperate for him and more desperate for him than anything else, then you're going to see the spirit alive and at work in you like never before. We have to stop trying to manage it on our own. You can't. You can't do it on your own. You need to submit, surrender to the Spirit, and this includes, it goes hand in hand, being transparent with other believers, which is why in James 5 it says that we are healed when we confess our sins to one another. The Spirit heals, delivers, and transforms when we do it God, which is through surrender, which results in confessing to a few other trusted people that can love you, pray for you, hold you accountable. And then this environment with people around you loving you and encouraging you, with you being real with God and with yourself, surrendering to Him, not by your might, not by your strength, but through the Spirit then you will experience that renewal that you are so hungry for. Pride blocks renewal. It blocks it. But when we humble ourselves, the Spirit empowers us. His strength, His resources, and then we'll see God at work through us, but only when we depend on not trusting in ourselves, not relying on ourselves. So are you sensing the empowerment of the Spirit? If you're not, then it's because you are not surrendered completely to Him. Return to the Lord, the Lord of hosts says. Return. Return to your first love. And you'll be empowered by His Spirit. Things like prayer is so important in this. This is critical. This is communion with God. Verse 7 describes, it says, this mountain. There's this mountain of rubble. So Zerubbabel is now leading. He's a governor, and he is called by God to rebuild, restore this temple. And there's just this mountain of debris and wreckage in front of him. Can you imagine how he felt? I mean, he must have felt so overwhelmed, like, God, are you serious? Have you seen that mountain of rubble out there? Have, have you seen it, God? Well, you know, I know you have, but are you sure? You take a second look, and you want me to clear all of that and rebuild the temple? There's, it's overwhelming. It's too much for me. It's too big for me. And many of you know exactly what I'm talking about. You are facing in your life a mountain of rubble and wreckage, and you're just wondering, how in the world am I ever going to overcome this? And, and you see this mountain in front of you, this, this 
wreckage and, and, and you see and, and you think to yourself, man, this, this is just one big obstacle. It's not. It's not an obstacle. It's an opportunity. It's what it is for you to truly trust God and, and to see him do the impossible that, that you could never do. He can do it. He can move that mountain. He, like it says here in verse 7, he made it like a plain. That mountain was turned into a plain, completely removed. It's not an obstacle. It's an opportunity. You think, no, this mountain in front of me, it's just failure. Maybe you've had some serious failure in your life. Well, that mountain is not failure. It's God's way forward. This is what it is. He is using it for your good and for his glory. You think, no, it's just rubble. No, it's not. It's renewal. God is at work. And he's using your circumstances, the painful, disappointing, the uncertainty, the betrayal, the letdown. He's using all of that that you would see as rubble, and he is going to renew your life through that. Because through that, you're going to fall on your face and be desperate for Jesus, and that is the best place we can be. I promise you, if we submit to him, we will experience the renewal that we're hungry for, and we will experience the power of the Spirit. Only possible through submission. Will you surrender to Jesus and depend on him, hope in him? Who we must be, New Life Church, must be a spirit-empowered community, a spirit-led community. This is my hope, is moving forward that this church will be spirit-led, spirit-comforted, spirit-renewed, spirit-fueled body of believers that are gonna impact the city for Christ. May this be a spirit-empowered church. But number two, so God's renewal is accomplished through the power of the spirit, but number two, also through the power of his word. Verses 11 through 14, you see Zechariah, has this vision explained to him of these two olive trees. And so the angel says that these olive trees with the oil that's flowing out to fuel these lamps, he says that the trees represent two anointed ones to stand by the Lord. And so each tree represents a person that is standing by serving the Lord. So remember the context of the restoration period. So these two trees likely most likely represents the two main people that were preaching the word in this time frame, which was Zechariah and Haggai. So this is, the, this is the meaning of these two prophetic voices, Haggai and Zechariah, that were teaching the word of God in this era, is God's word is proclaimed. And so when, when the Bible is taught, when the Bible is shared, so when God's word is proclaimed, it's like oil that is coming out, that's being fueled, that's coming out of it. So you have these this prophetic utterances, this teaching in the word that is coming out of these trees, these prophets, and then it is going down, and it is fueling the lamps. And so when you have the proclaimed word of God, 
It's like oil that fuels the mission of God, which results then in God displaying his glory like a bright burning flame. So that's the goal is for God's glory to shine and to be revealed. But what fuels that? What, what fuels that transformation? The oil, the word, the word fueled by the spirit, the word and the spirit together is what fuels this beautiful display of the glory of God. So the power of the spirit and the power of the word always go hand in hand. You cannot know God apart from the word. Without the Bible, you can't know Jesus. But if you have the Bible, but you don't have the Holy Spirit, you still can't know Jesus. The Spirit has to open your eyes, and he has to bring you to life spiritually, to resurrect you. And so you need the Word and the Spirit. And when you have the Word proclaimed, the Spirit is going to be at work, which is why we have to tell people about Jesus who don't know him. You can say, well, God can save them. No, he won't save them. He will only save them when there is a missionary that can go tell them the word. When the word is proclaimed, the spirit is active. No proclamation of the word, no spirit at work. And there's so many churches today that are just so focused on everything other than the word, and you have to wonder, is the spirit active in that body? Because if there's no word proclamation, then there is no spirit at work. But what we see here is the power of the spirit and the power of the word being fueled so that we then have a display of the glory of God. And so do you want to experience a renewal of God? You need the power of the spirit and the power of the word. If you have both, you have, you have fire that's going to ignite in your soul, and your life will be transformed. And so my prayer is that moving forward, that this church will remain centered and focus on the Bible. Read the Bible, treasure the Bible, preach the Bible, study it in our home groups, study it in our discipleship groups, study it individually, love the Bible, love the Word, because this is how we know Jesus, is through His Word and through the power of his spirit. God is at work. And if you don't think so, look around and see the lives of his people being changed, being renewed by him, through him, and for him. So if you want to experience this renewal, you focus on Jesus through his word and trust that his spirit then will be active. Are you hoping in Jesus? Easy to say yes, but are we really? I love this faith family. I have just loved and have been so honored to have been your pastor. And as next week we'll say goodbye. But I can tell you this. God is not finished with New Life Church. He's not finished. It's not about one person, never has been, never will be. It is about the spirit of God that is building the kingdom of God as Jesus is 
proclaimed and treasured. And this church is one where I can say that I see that. And it has been a privilege to be here. And God still has more of his story to tell through New Life Church. There are so people to be reached that are far from him. They need to experience the spirit in their lives and to know Jesus and call God Father. But it's not going to be by your might. It won't be by your power, but it'll be by the Spirit, says the Lord of hosts. May this church be a Spirit-empowered and Spirit-led community that treasures Jesus, deeply loves his word. This is who we must be. Father, I thank you for giving us time together to see you revealed through your word. We know that we can at times look out and see what appears to be a mountain of rubble before us, and yet we know that you can level it like a plane, and so we are trusting you to split the sea, to level the mountain, to remove all the obstacles and use us for your glory. We praise you. We thank you for the salvation that Jesus bought for us. Thank you that we can help others to know you as well. I pray that you would make this church a spirit-empowered community for your glory in the name of Jesus. Amen.